tomorrow, only on Disney Plus. My name is Taylor. Welcome to the Eras Tour. Experience Taylor Swift's record-breaking Eras Tour. Swift, the Eras Tour, Taylor's version, with four additional acoustic songs. Streaming tomorrow, only on Disney+. Plus. Hey guys, welcome back to Thick and Thin with me, Katie Bilotti. Hope you guys are all doing well. I am currently just getting readjusted after traveling. I feel like my ears haven't even popped yet from my flight. I was in LA this past weekend and I got back. I had a red eye. If you guys are following me on Instagram, I got my wallet stolen and my keys while I was in LA. So it's been a really hectic few days being back trying to just get my life in order. Like I've never had scarier scaries. A lot of annoying things have happened, like spilling you know, coffee all over my laptop last week and then having my wallet and keys stolen. But honestly, even given all of that, all of that shitty luck that I've had recently, I am still high spirits, everyone. And there are a few reasons for that. I'm about to turn 27 next week. I think actually next week's episode is going to drop on my birthday. So I have one more episode to go until I'm officially 27 because I actually turned 27 on the 27th, my golden birthday at 4.17 p.m. And the only reason why I know it's 4.17, obviously I was there, but I was an infant. My mom tells me it was 4.17 p.m. because I was seven pounds, 14 ounces. And so it's easy to remember. So next Thursday at 4.17 p.m., please wish me a happy birthday because I'll be 27. But anyway, readjusting Things have been annoying recently, a lot of annoying things, but also a lot of things to look forward to, a lot of exciting things. I've been going on some great dates recently. If you guys listened to last week's episode, I talked about um, this guy that I met and this date that I went on. I went on a second date last night, which I'm actually going to unpack the entire date on my other podcast, Match Made, which comes out on Friday mornings with my friends Colby and Adam. We had a special guest this week. Brooke Michio comes on and I shared all the details. We recorded this morning, so it's still fresh in my mind. And I'm very excited for everyone to hear that because I think we have some really relatable conversations about things that happen on dates that you get really stressed about because it's always a little bit awkward and it's things where it's really out of your control. And so we talk through a lot of that stuff on the podcast. So stay tuned for that episode. But I'm not going to leave you totally hanging. I'm going to discuss a few things on this episode and some things that really made me think that I actually, when I was in the shower, like a couple of hours ago, I had this epiphany, this idea sprang itself into my head and it was all inspired by the date last night. So this is your sign to go on some dates. You'll really get inspired. You'll really have some crazy life-altering epiphanies maybe. So anyway, I want to talk about one specific happening from my date last night and how it got the gears turning in my head. So we went to this jazz bar, jazz club sort of place, a speakeasy in the city. It was the most amazing vibe. So my aesthetic, so just up my alley. I love jazz music. I've grown up on it. It's something super familiar to me. My parents love it. And I've been really dying to go to a jazz bar in the city. And I just really 
it's not like I don't have a reason to. Like I could definitely have my friends go with me, but it was really special that he suggested it. I didn't have to suggest it. I didn't have to beg people to go with me. Like he wanted to take me there. So it was already starting out very special. I felt very seen, even though this guy hardly knows me. So we went to this jazz bar in like Flatiron in the city. I actually forgot to share this tidbit on Match Made, but when we both got there, I always get super stressed when I get to a date and I don't know if I should go in or if I should wait outside for them. Like if I'm early, do I, you know what I mean? It's just like the etiquette of what you do when you get to a date is a little bit blurry. Like no one really knows. And so it's been an area of stress for me in the past. But we actually got there, I think like probably three minutes apart from each other. He got there first and he texted me. This is my love language. My love language is someone texting me, I'll wait for you outside before we go in so we can go in together. Like nothing lights me up inside more than someone waiting for me so we can do something together because walking into a place, I don't know why it causes me anxiety, but it really does. And I I don't know. It's like a very oddly specific thing that almost feels like it's rooted in some sort of trauma somewhere from my past, but I really don't know. So he waited for me outside. We walked in together and like it was an amazing night, like amazing vibes. Love the jazz performers that were there. We had some really great conversation. I'm going to unpack everything on the other podcast, but something that stuck out to me that I've been thinking about ever since. So we sit down, we're ordering drinks. He orders a tequila drink, something with like mezcal, which was really good. Um, I had a sip of it. It was delicious. But I went with my very classic extra dirty vodka martini. You guys know I'm a martini girl through and through. I was very excited because this place seemed like it had really good drinks. So I order a dirty martini. I actually ended up getting one infused with cucumber, which was surprising but very good. Like I thought I might hate it, but I was like, let me try something new. It was like the top thing on their menu. So I decided to try it. We're chatting, drinking, and the next drink he decides to get. So we go through the first round. Next round, he orders a martini himself. And so we get on the topic of olives. And he really likes blue cheese olives. I was saying how much I despise Blue cheese olives, like I'm a very big olive girl. I love olives. I love briny things. I love pickles. I love all that stuff. But blue cheese olives, not my vibe, not my jam. I've never been into them. So we're talking about olives and it hits me. Every other guy I've gone on a date with recently, we talk about olives at some point because I typically order a martini and it just like comes up somehow. A lot of the guys I've gone on dates with recently have not liked olives And I was telling my friends about this and we got on the topic of the olive theory from How I Met Your Mother. I'm going to get into that if you guys don't know what I'm talking about. But the guy that I was on the date with likes olives and I also like olives. This is key information for the olive theory, which I'm going to talk about. So How I Met Your Mother, amazing show. They now have this spinoff like How I Met Your Father with Hilary Duff. Honestly, an amazing show. Okay, love Hilary Duff, love everything she does. Obviously, the original is better. She did great in How I Met Your Father, but How I Met Your Mother is like one of those just essential shows. Like you have to watch this show. I actually ruined it for myself the first time I watched it because I had this assignment in college, really messed up assignment, honestly. Like my professor just like wanted to see us struggle, I think, because he came up with this assignment. It was like a psych class where we had to pick a show and watch the first episode and the last episode and try to write an essay on what we think happened in the middle. And if you guys know this show, you'd know how annoying that is because the whole plot is you're trying to figure out who this guy, Ted Mosby, who he marries, like who is the mother of his children, the whole show you're trying to figure it out. And obviously the last episode you find out. So I really did ruin it for myself the first time I watched it, but that did not stop me from watching the entire thing after 
this assignment. Like I ended up just like trying to remove it from my memory and watch the whole show. But that being said, the very first episode, the pilot episode of the show, just an FYI, I'm going to spoil like the first few episodes, but I'm assuming everyone's seen them by now. I don't know. So if you want to watch this show, you don't want to be, I mean, it's not going to spoil the ending per se, but I'm going to talk about the first few episodes. So skip like 15 seconds if you don't want to hear what happens. But there is this conversation where Ted is like talking about his first date with this woman, Robin, to his two friends, Marshall and Lily. So Ted is saying that Robin, the girl he's dating, falls under the olive theory. And so this is pretty much based on the most successful relationship that Ted has seen, which is with his friends, Marshall and Lily, they're dating. Ted's way of saying that the perfect couple has found each other if one of them likes olives and the other one doesn't. So Lily loves olives. Marshall hates olives. So Ted, in his mind, thinks, okay, this shows that two halves of a whole, opposites attract, like this is the successful relationship. If one person likes olives, one person doesn't. And you think that's the end of it. Like when you're watching, you're like, oh, okay. You think about every relationship you've ever had. Like does the person that you're dating like olives? Do you like olives? Like how does it, how do the opposites attract there? It turns out in this story that Marshall actually lied about hating olives. Like he actually secretly likes olives, but he lied about hating them. So him and Lily could get together in college or something. So he actually lied. Like he likes olives. They both like olives. And obviously their relationship was successful anyway. Like the whole show, they're, you know, together. That's not spoiling anything. But I just thought that was interesting because I last night I was thinking like when he said he liked olives too, at first, like my first instinct was like, oh no, the olive theory. But then I realized that the olive theory is bogus and, you know, someone else liking olives and you not liking them or vice versa is not a telltale sign of whether the relationship is going to work. I actually saw someone's hinge prompt one time, like where it was like, let's make sure we're on the same page about like that prompt. And it said the olive theory. And I wanted so badly, I didn't think he was cute, so I didn't match with him, but I wanted so badly to be like, do you know what the olive theory actually ended up in the show? <laughs> like, But I've thought about that. I've thought of the olive theory. Honestly, it's kind of a metaphor of sorts now where it's like, opposites attract in some ways. But this got me thinking. I was in the shower thinking about the darn olive theory. And I literally grabbed my phone from in the shower and started writing down notes because I wanted to talk about the concept of opposites attracting. Like, Do opposites really attract? Because people are always saying they do. Whenever a surprising couple comes to be, people are like, oh, well, it makes sense because opposites attract. But is that just something we say? Like, Do you have to be completely opposite from your potential partner? or someone you're going on dates with? Like, do you need to have opposites? Do you need to have disagreements or places where it doesn't add up for you to attract? Or is that just something that happens with magnets in science? Like, is that just a science thing? Or is that a real thing that we should be aware of? And so I did some digging. I did some thinking. I did some pondering in my towel. And this episode is the result of that. The darn olive theory. Let's talk about it. Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home, and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way, and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good, and then a bang in the night, and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home, and I can tell you 
I know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. The age-old saying that I've discussed like several times already in the intro of this episode, opposites attract actually dates back to at least the 1800s. It's translated into many languages and many cultures. Everyone's been talking about it forever, but so is, you know, the quote, birds of a feather flock together. There's so many different ways to say it. Like this theory of do opposites attract? Is it just in science or is it in humans as well? Like people have been talking about this forever and ever and ever. Like you think about in movies, I was just sitting here thinking about my favorite movie couples that are kind of proof to the pudding of opposites attract, like Rose and Jack and Titanic, like Rose being from this like once very wealthy, high class family, being someone who really follows the rules or tries to, and Jack being this opposite, super spontaneous from the wrong side of the tracks kind of guy, not as rule abiding, like they end up being the perfect match because they're not the same. So, I mean, is that just a movie? Is that just, you know, or do opposites really attract? Like this makes you think. About back in school, I mentioned magnets. I actually really vividly remember the class where we learned about magnets. Like we learned that energy is needed to create movement and you have these two magnets together and kind of is like a car. Almost, you know, you, like to have a car move, you need gas. The gas inside burns and the car moves. The reason being is because this gas contains stored up energy, which when it's burned, when the car is turned on, it's released. And some of it, some of that energy, not all, but some changes into movement energy, propelling the car forward. So in science, I actually Googled the correct terminology for this because I knew that I would mess it up and some sciencey listener out there is going to be like, Katie, you messed up. So the stored up energy is potential energy and the movement energy that makes the car go is called kinetic energy. This might be giving you like PTSD to the science classes you've been in, like move over Bill Nye. But okay, what does this even mean when it comes to relationships, when it comes to magnets? Let's back up and talk about magnets. So the magnetic field that surrounds all magnets 
contains that stored up energy, that potential energy that's sitting in the car. But there's a way to change that. There's a way to change the amount of stored up energy that surrounds the magnet. And the way you change it will tell you which way the magnet will move, either towards or away. And everything in the universe follows a rule. And so wherever there is this stored up energy in an object and the object is not like stuck down, tethered down or stuck in place, then the object will be pushed in the direction that causes that energy to decrease. So it's the, the kinetic energy that makes things move. If two magnets are pointing unlike poles together, so North Pole to a South Pole, the opposites, bringing them closer decreases that energy that's stored up and they will be forced together. And this is called attraction. So two opposites collide pretty much because they have to. Like, that's what I'm taking from this. I actually very vividly remember in class, like playing around with magnets and learning this. And I've thought about it ever since. I did a little bit of Googling to make sure I was right, but it's just interesting. So the idea of opposites attract, it's been thought about forever in science and in life. So it was first brought up in psychology by this guy named Robert Francis Winch, who studied marriages in the 50s. Oh, what a time to study marriages. Obviously, the 50s wasn't a grave time for women, but it was interesting how relationships were in the 50s. So Robert came to this conclusion through his research that it wasn't similarities that made a relationship work. It wasn't those two like poles, like the north to north, south to south, the same, same poles pointing together. It wasn't the similarities that brought people together. It was actually this thing he called complementarity, which I've never heard that word in my life. Complementarity. <laughs> I had a hard time saying it when I first read it. So if a person is like super extroverted and outgoing, they would match up better. Their magnet would be better pointed towards someone who is more introverted and vice versa. So Robert's theory was everyone is ultimately searching for those characteristics that they lack. Like in every person in the marriages, like they're looking to complete each other or they're trying to find someone who maybe just gives them what they need to be better. So a great couple is one where the personality traits complement each other. Complementarity, my new favorite word. Interesting. I was reading this, I was like, BS. Like, I don't think I agree with the whole opposites attract thing. I think I agree with certain parts of it. It's a, a very huge statement to make that when you're looking for a relationship, you're looking for everything you lack. Like, I don't think that that's true. At least personally, I would feel like dependent on that person to be the best version of myself, which I don't think I want in a relationship. But I don't think I want someone opposite in every single way, but there certainly are some ways where I want to be different from them. So I'm, I was just trying to like wrap my mind around that. And I stumbled across this amazing interview that was written about on this website called Well and Good. I've cited them a few times on the podcast. I really like their articles. They really tackle interesting stuff. So I think the subhead, it wasn't like the full head, but the subhead said the difference between having opposite needs versus opposite wants is crucial. So needs versus wants. This is an interesting, interesting thing. This really made me think and it really made me think about the people that I've pursued in my life and why it didn't work out, things like that. So they interviewed this relationship expert and psychotherapist named Rachel Wright and three-day rule matchmaker. So two women, Lisa Elson. And they both say, both of these women say that there's a difference between having common wants and common needs. And then when it comes to long-term successful relationships, only mutual common needs are required. People often blur these lines, Lisa Elson said. She was a psychotherapist. And she added that a lack of shared relationship needs 
are potential deal breakers. Like they can vary from person to person, but some common examples may include a stance on having kids, not having kids, religious beliefs, or, you know, wanting to travel versus putting down roots, like things like that. Like those are needs. In contrast, wants are more of a bonus. Like if you're looking for a long-term partner, this is what the article is saying, what's crucial is that your needs overlap. You know, your needs. Having separate interests though and wants is actually super healthy in a relationship and it helps each person keep their individual sense of self. And one example that they cited was, you know, in terms of yoga. (laughs) If your partner isn't into yoga, that can be something you can do by yourself or with your friends. Like It doesn't need to be a foundational way of how you operate as a couple. But in this case, like you and your partner can be opposites about yoga and things like that, but still be successful as a couple so long as exercise and mindfulness practice, things like that are wants, not needs. Like If yoga is a need, like you are so obsessed with yoga that it is a part of your lifestyle. It is like a pillar of who you are, then your partner not appreciating yoga or maybe like yucking your yum in that way is a deal breaker or like it maybe should be. So one quote that was pulled out in the article that I that really sat with me, that really marinated was by Lisa Elson. She said, she's the matchmaker. She said, so many people swipe left on someone because the interests listed don't match up with their own when this really isn't what matters. It's the needs that matter. It's the things that are just so crucial to your being Whether or not you want kids, whether or not you want roots or traveling, like things like that, like our needs, things that are just so important to you, it's not a want, it's a need for some people, not for everybody. So you can have opposite interests so long as you create that strong mutual bond, like you have needs that overlap and can be respected by each party. Even if it takes like a little bit of negotiation or having like a hard conversation about it, like the needs like need to line up. Maybe not the fact that I like olives and he likes olives or doesn't like olives. Like the wants are not as important. Like olives are not that important to me. Like that is not a life or death situation, whether or not my partner likes olives. Like I do want to have kids one day. If someone that I'm going on dates with doesn't want kids, that would be a deal breaker for me. It's hard because if you're super attracted, you really love the person and you think that they'll change. Like that's something that people do all the time. They stay in these relationships because they think someone will change. Your needs need to line up in order for you to feel secure in a relationship. So when it comes to opposites attracting, I really like that concept of the wants versus the needs. It's like your wants can be opposite, but I do feel like your needs need to line up. Like they do need to line up in some way, shape or form for you to feel secure, for you to feel happy in this relationship. Doesn't matter if they like olives. Like that's my opinion on that. Hey guys, it's Cheyenne Davis. You may know me from MTV's Teen Mom OG or Think Loud Crew podcast. I'm here with my dad, Papa Floyd, to tell you about our new podcast, Unfiltered Kitchen. The kitchen is the hub of the household for many of us. The one-stop shop for conversations both big and small. Cheyenne and I have been having open conversations about all aspects of life in our kitchen since well before she was able to see over the counter. And now we're inviting you into our own kitchen as a part of the family. Unfiltered Kitchen is a two-way street. I share my advice on cocktails, cooking, parenting, and the lessons I've learned. And I inform my dad what it's like to raise kids today, how generational barriers affect us, and the joys of being a daughter. Well, your daughter. Get ready for a whole lot of unfiltered advice. You can take it or leave it, but you're never going to leave this table feeling hungry for more. Listen to Unfiltered Kitchen wherever you get your podcasts.
These days you can't go anywhere on the internet without running into the most horrible takes. You know, your good old-fashioned homophobes, or your self-proclaimed alpha males, who are writing two-page articles titled, How to Score the Perfect Female in 10 Days. If you are just as sick of these outdated takes as we are, you will love our podcast, Outspoken, hosted by me, Sam Collins, and my incredible partner, Shannon. We are an LGBT couple who have seen it all, been called it all, and are ready to take on the never-ending world of outrageous online opinions. Each week, we bring you the most ridiculous videos, hot takes, and hellbent news we come across on the internet. So, come laugh with us as we dismantle outdated ideologies and tear apart the most confident idiots on the internet on our podcast, Outspoken. You can follow and listen for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you are listening right now. Hey everyone, I'm Devin Werkheiser. I'm Lindsay Shaw. And I'm Daniel Curtis Lee, and we are the hosts of Ned's Declassified Podcast Survival Guide. Ever wonder what happened to Ned Mose and Cookie? Well, we're back. We helped you guys survive middle school. And now we're helping you survive adulthood. On Ned's Declassified Podcast Survival Guide, we are re-watching episodes, bringing you special guests like Coconut Head and Janitor Gordy, and catching up on the last 15 years. We're talking about everything from dating mishaps, to mental health and maintaining friendships, and asking the question, how how do we survive adulthood? Maybe we don't always have the answers, but we're going to figure it out together. Come join us. So pause that podcast you're listening to and subscribe to Ned's Declassified Podcast Survival Guide on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> so something else while I was researching that I found really interesting, and I don't know why this is something that keeps coming up in my life, the concept of pheromones. And it's funny because one of my friends actually has this oil balm that she puts on her wrists and like behind her ears and places like that, like those special spots that you're supposed to put perfume and stuff. She brings this around in her purse and she'll like, it's her favorite party trick. Like she'll bring it out and have people try it on. And pheromones, I'm sure everyone's like loosely familiar with what they are, but it's basically this chemical that is secreted in sweat. Like I found this verbatim from the internet, sweat. <laughs> like it comes through and it's like your smell, the smell that you don't even really know is there. And this balm that she has like brings out everyone's individual scent and just kind of heightens it or it reacts with the scent. It smells really good. It's not like you're rubbing sweat on yourself. Like the sweat is already in you and whatever the scent is just takes it, brings it out and makes it smell really good, like mixes with whatever's in the oil. So I don't know if it's all a load of hubbub and it's like not a real thing, but what if it's all in the senses? What if attraction, like falling in love at first smell is a thing? Scientists for centuries have thought that pheromones play a role in sexual attraction. In this one study that I was reading online, I'll have linked, women were asked to rather successfully judge, like they were able to successfully judge men's attractiveness through smelling their t-shirts. Like they weren't shown the guy's face or anything about him. They weren't told a single thing about this guy, but they were given this t-shirt and they were asked to smell the t-shirt and express whether or not they were interested in this guy just based on his scent. And in another one, men were actually able to sense a woman's fertility through smell. Like smell, it's a powerful sense, everyone. And it's it's one of those things where I've experienced it. Like I, I don't know if this is, I think this is what I'm experiencing. Like when I, maybe it's just like making out, like if I'm making out with a guy or something and just something about their smell, like, yeah, it could be the cologne. It could be the fact that they showered or something, but I swear I feel like a sense of this person. I really like this person 
And it's something it has to do with the smell. Like I can't even like put my finger on what the smell is. Maybe it's just like the smell of a guy. Like (laughs) something awakens inside of me. But the people evaluated in the study were actually attracted to some sense and not to others. So maybe without even seeing a person, it is possible to decide whether or not you're into them. And it has nothing to do with the opposites attracting. Like, you know, is it an opposite smell maybe that we're attracted to or just a smell in general? It's like very bizarre to think about all of the factors. Like the reason why I'm bringing up pheromones is just to further bolster my opinion that opposites don't necessarily attract. Like there's a lot of other factors. So if you feel like you're too similar to your partner or or not too similar, like people are telling you maybe you're really similar or something like that. And you're like, but I'm happy. Like all these like old wives tales and like stories from pop culture of opposites attracting. Like I think it's all just like these two people got together. Yeah, maybe they're opposite, but maybe that has nothing to do with it. Like I do think that there's a lot of validity in the needs versus wants though. Like I'm going to start thinking about that a little bit more critically. Like if I'm evaluating whether or not someone that I'm seeing is someone that will it'll work out, I think I need to start thinking more about the the needs and less about the wants because wants can be respected or understood more easily by someone that doesn't agree with the wants. Like the wants are like not deal breakers. Like maybe, maybe, maybe it's a red flag. But at the end of the day, I think it's just, you know, one of those things where it's like they have their thing, I have my thing. And I think it's crucial for you to have your own thing that the other person maybe doesn't understand. Maybe they think it's funny or cute or whatever, but they're not going to like ridicule you for it, right? Like it's maybe something they don't agree with, but they're like, oh, you know, that's just Katie's thing. And maybe I'm not like that. I was watching this um, couple's Q&A that these two friends of mine made on YouTube. I love a good boyfriend tag. And in the Q&A, they were asked like, what's their, you know, something that bugs them about the other person. And both of their answers were something purely wants-based, like something that wasn't a deal breaker, but something that it was really cute the way that they said it because it's obvious that both of them still love each other and despite the fact that this one thing that the other person does bugs them or maybe they don't agree with, like this girl is messy and he's really neat. Like I think that that as depending on the person, like if that's something, if that's a need, like you need, need, need to be clean and you can't have a conversation about it and come to an agreement or like something like that, like then maybe it's a deal breaker. But in this case, it was just something where it's like, oh, we're just different, but we're also the same in many ways. Like both of them are very much on the same page about most things. So it's interesting, guys. It's really interesting. Actually, back to the pheromone thing, one thing I didn't say, I was reading that pheromones comes through like the biggest spots where the pheromones are like radiating or whatever is the skin and the hair slash head. So it made me think like, okay, note to self, never wear a hat on a date, which I would probably never do because I don't like hats. And the skin, just, you know, every opportunity, just skin in the face. (laughs) Don't punch him, but you know what I mean? So interesting, very wild, all of this opposites attract nonsense. I'm just, I'm really going to think about it as I go into more dates with this guy. And like I said, I talk about it in full on my other podcast, but I'm learning a lot as I live what a concept, learning as you live and thinking about opposites attract. Like I think about all the successful relationships that I know. I'm lucky to have parents that are in love and that I hold their marriage above everyone that I've ever known. Like, I mean, they're my parents at the end of the day, but I really think that they're great together and they have different wants, but their needs are the same. When they have arguments, I try to think of all the arguments they've had and really every single one is kind of over a want-based thing. And it's not something that 
is a total difference in lifestyle, in the pillars of who you are, of who they are, it's always something kind of stupid. And I think if you find yourself fighting with your partner about things that are just so deeply in your core a need, that is when there's an issue. That's when you should start rethinking the relationship, I think. And I hope that no one ever gets to that point and you can still healthily argue over the wants, the things in the want categories. But once it starts creeping into the need category, I think that's when you need to reevaluate. You need to think, is this something I can do forever? I think compromise is something that can happen and conversation needs to happen before that happens. Obviously, you need to express it. You need to be honest and don't lie about your true wants or true needs, especially your true needs. But I think there's only so much conversation and compromise that can happen, right? Like if it feels like you're just not being heard. I remember specifically a few years ago, one of my friends was about to go through a breakup. Like she was reaching her breaking point that ultimately led her to breaking up with her significant other. But the reason for it, this like will not leave my head. I always go back to it. She was saying the reason was that she just felt like they were having the same arguments over and over again. And they would like, you know, kiss and make up, but it almost just felt like they were stalling. Someone had to break and change their mind on this need or they would break up. And I haven't been through a breakup like that or like in general. So, but I can't imagine it's easy to just decide, well, this need is just not going to be met. So we have to break up. Like there's no alternative because otherwise I'm sacrificing the things that are important to me. And you should never feel like, yes, some level of sacrifice I think is required. Like you need to compromise a little bit, obviously. Like you're not going to just your way or the highway, the whole relationship. Like you're going to have conversations and compromise, but you should never compromise on something that is literally the reason for why you are the way you are, like who you are and something you've worked towards for like 20 plus years of your life, like something you're really, really passionate about, something you really, really want for yourself. And it's so, it's all you can think about. Like you should not stuff that under the rug because you're afraid of being single or you're afraid of starting over again. That's just what I think. Like, I invite everyone, myself included, put your needs at the forefront. Like when you're considering the longevity of something, if something is working, like think of the needs, like yes, the wants, like think critically about what is a need versus a want, because sometimes I think needs can disguise themselves as wants. It's like you can think, oh, you know, it's not as important. Like it's fine. I'll get over it. I'll get over it. But if you're constantly saying that to yourself, like, and you're not getting over it, you're still having the same arguments, I think something is awry, something is wrong. And yeah, so opposites attract. Interesting theory. Hope this gave you something to chew on, something to consider in your personal relationships or in the relationships you hope to have someday, or maybe a friend is going through something and you want to send this to them. Like, just think about it. Anyway, guys, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Thick and Thin. I really appreciate all of your support over the years and the love for this podcast. I'm never going to stop sharing just my random thoughts that I have in the shower and <laughs> random pop culture references and history and psychology and all the good stuff. So thank you guys for listening. And I will talk to you all next Thursday on my birthday. Be there, be square. <laughs> I'll talk to you guys later. Bye.
Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home, and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way, and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good, and then a bang in the night, and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home, and I can tell you... I know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today.